Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Matthew Unmute. So in this episode here, I've gotten our guest appearance on. Today I've got Alan Goodman back. Thanks for having me back. Excited to be here. No problem. I hope you're enjoying my coffee again. I hope it's creamier than last time because he's, he's back for the coffee. I come back because Matthew makes really amazing coffee. He's in his fancy coffee machine. <laughs> he messaged me and he's like, I want to come back on your podcast and I want a coffee. Yeah. Um, no, I really want to get Alan on the podcast today because he is a little bit of an expert on mental health. And over the past few years, he's just learned more about the brain and how it works. So the subject today is going to be chemicals of the brain. But before we get into that, we want to announce that myself and Alan are going to be doing a little bit of a mental health project soon uh, based around, um, well, we're going to actually be doing it on based around the, the Queen song, I Want to Break Free. So about a year ago, we had a plan to film a video uh, based around this this video, which Alan, do you want to explain on it? <laughs> you wanted to get us dressed up in wigs? Yeah, totally my idea. Well, the, the plan was to do a gym version of the really famous Queen video from the 1980s. You know, the I Want to Break Free video when they're all in the house doing housework, dressed in drag. <laughs> we were going to do that, a kind of gym version when we were going to be like working out instead of doing like the vacuum cleaning and, and, and whatnot. And we had actually set up a, a page and I think we'd raised about £500 for yeah. the Samaritans. And we were going to be filming the video in the, in the gym at the Tennis and Squash Club. And I think we'd actually booked in to do it towards the end of March last year. And then obviously COVID, COVID arrived in the UK. And then we went into lockdown. I think it was actually the weekend before yeah. we, we were supposed to start filming. So we had always at the back of the minds to go back and do it. And we, we just had a, a chat and we decided that we're, we're going to go ahead and get it done. Get so it done. We'll maybe, we'll maybe get the page sort of open again so people can, can sponsor us. And I think you guys will enjoy it because we're, we're getting dressed up and um, like we're wearing wigs and skirts and God, it's going to be, it's going to be embarrassing, but I think it'll be for a really good cause. I think it'll be great. And, and the, the theme behind it is people who go through mental health, they want to break free. Exactly. Yeah. So we are going to be breaking down each of the chemicals of the brain in detail and also helping you guys learn a little about how important each chemical is for mental health. So we're going to start today on dopamine. So Alan is the expert here on this. He's been researching a lot for the week and he knows a lot about each of these chemicals. So Alan, dopamine, what do you know about this chemical here? Expert. Yes. Oh, pressure. <laughs> All right. So we're going to talk about the four primary chemicals. There's, there's more, but these are the, the best known ones for driving that kind of positive emotions that we, that we tend to feel. Dopamine is known as the reward chemical. And we tend to trigger that through acts of short-term pleasure. And the first one that comes to mind would be nutrition. Now, eating nutritious food in general will, will trigger dopamine, but more specifically, protein-rich foods. Yeah. Examples of protein-rich foods, lean and processed meats, eggs, dairy, your soya-based products like soya milk and tofu, and legumes. These have all been scientifically proven to secrete dopamine from the brain. And this is why we're always telling clients to improve their protein intake. We're not just trying to get on at you guys. We're actually trying to make a difference to how you feel mentally and physically. Um, any other benefits of dopamine? Dopamine triggered by completing a goal or accomplishing a short-term task. Now, here's an example. As, as personal trainers, we help clients set health and fitness goals. 
And we do this by breaking down the larger goals into sort of smaller, more short term, yeah. manageable, sort of bite sized goals. So, for example, let's say we've got a client who wants to lose 20 kilograms of weight. Yeah. We would take this in mind and we would then focus on, say, losing the first three or five kilograms on the, on the journey. And we do that in an agreed time frame. When the client achieves this, we then create a plan to lose the next however many kilograms and, and so forth. Yeah. It's the chemical dopamine that motivates the client on each step of the way. So each mini step, it's dopamine that kind Those of little wins. makes them want to go on to the next step of the journey. No, I've noticed that as well with clients is when they get that first few pounds off, they want to do more and they get addicted to it. They want to do better they want the next to do time. It again, yes. Yeah, and this is why you have to start small and work towards the end goal. Um, any other benefits with dopamine? Yes, acts of self-care. Now that could be anything from soaking in a bath of Epsom salts, taking uh, taking a trip to the spa for the afternoon. Lovely. Or just sitting down, watching a film and doing it without feeling guilty. And that's the problem, isn't it? Just guilt. People feel guilty when they treat themselves. They feel guilty when they're sitting down for too long. And I always say you have to have that rest points in your week to actually progress sometimes. You need to have that downtime. Uh, so what's your favorite way of having self-care, Alan? I like, I like a princess bath. And I'm not ashamed of that. Epsom salts, bubbles, candles, some relaxing tunes. Yeah. Picture that, Alan in the bath with salts and his candles and everything. With my rubber duck uh, and my wee hat on. No, I um, haven't had a bath in years, but I remember that feeling afterwards. You'd always feel very relaxed. Your body would feel that release and you'd feel, you feel, yeah, you feel like you can actually sit down and chill then. You can sit in the bath and eat a chicken breast and get a double hit of dopamine. Mine is, sim- mine is simple. I just like to sit down and watch watch my favorite film and have a cup of tea. Uh, you know, I, I absolutely love that because I just feel in my I feel in my safe space when I'm doing that. Um, it really is the simple <laughs> things in life, isn't it? Thinking about that here, what is your favorite way to ha- to release dopamine? What do you like to do? So if you're yeah. if you're listening to the podcast, uh, leave a comment on what you actually enjoy doing. Yeah. Uh, any other benefits of dopamine? These these are the main three. There, there's a slight side note with dopamine though. And because it's triggered by acts of short-term pleasure, obviously it makes us feel better instantly. Yeah. Now that has become a little bit of a problem. So today's world, it's all about quick fixes. Everything's done at 100 miles an hour. And we have a tendency to chase the dopamine hit. Yeah. You know, we, we're impatient. We want to feel better. We want to feel better right now. The problem is the positive emotions associated with dopamine don't tend to last very long. And when the feeling wears off, we often want to repeat the behavior that released that, that triggered the release in the first place. Yeah. Now the tech companies and the social media platforms are fully aware of this. And what they do is they use it to get us hooked by creating negative feedback loops. So when someone likes your post on Instagram or on Facebook, or you complete a level of a computer game, your brain releases dopamine as a reward. Get addicted. Okay. The levels then drop immediately after and what do we do? You want to go back and do it again. We want to go back again. We want to pick our phone up. If we put it down, someone's having to put the phone down. Or we, we just, we want to get that feeling again. So it's it's almost like a sort of a cycle. It's horrible. And yeah, it's how would. we get sucked into social media. And they, and they know that as well. Of course. Um, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with wanting to feel better in the moment. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But personally, I would look at boosting dopamine levels through nutrition, acts of self-care, as opposed to scrolling through your your newsfeed so yeah if you're listening to this that's the top tip from that is try and use 
healthier methods like improving your nutrition, like taking that time, having a bath like Alan, and rather than going on social media and looking for your dopamine through that hit of the likes and all that other stuff. And we're going to move on to oxytocin next. Now, Alan, you're an expert on this. Um, it's the love drug, and Alan's the expert there. Uh, so I'm going to let him take the lead on this one. Um, what are the benefits of oxytocin? And a little bit about it as well. I, I don't know why Matthew thinks I'm the expert on, <laughs> on the love doctor. You make me sound like the love doctor. I'm like, what's his name? I'm like um, Will Smith and Hitch. Exactly. That's you. The That's love, Alan. The love doctor. He loves it. He, he, he is the expert here. He's going to take take Co control. Call in for your relationship advice. Okay. <laughs> the, the first way to trigger oxytocin that comes to mind is socializing. Socializing. Spending time with family and friends. Now, whenever... Whenever I was going through a depressive episode in the past, I would go into hermit mode and I would have a tendency to withdraw from the world. And I'm talking from experience when I say that maintaining even, even the smallest amount of social contact is crucial for our mental health. You know, I, I know it's often the last thing we want to do when we feel rubbish, but it can be life-saving. could save your life, absolutely. It, it absolutely can. And it's, it's something I'm still working on. You know, I, I still, even now, even with this knowledge in mind, I have a tendency when I'm feeling rubbish to want to just close the curtains and just stay home and, and not contact anyone. But in, in the history of the world, nobody's ever felt better from doing that. No. And I have noticed that sometimes when you're going, you know, you're quieter, you're not in touch as much. I know at that point, you maybe just need that time alone. Uh, but I'm also screaming at myself, like, I bet he'd be feeling better if he did go out and see yeah, some people. Yeah. It's, um, it's something I'm working on. You know, it's... Um, I'm getting better at it, but it's just, it's just been a, something I've done for so many years. I was yeah. always on my own. So I was always trying to cope with things on my own. And it's a habit. Um, so it's a habit and it's breaking, it's breaking the habit. Yeah. Um, but I mean, here's an example of, of how important socializing is. Look at the last year and a half COVID during the pandemic, how much have people suffered? The number of times people have got in touch and said, look, I'm really struggling just now. And I say, okay, what, what's the, what's the hardest thing it's been the lack of social contact absolutely people got the video calls and all that stuff but they didn't get that proper one-to-one -one interaction that family interaction that they, they, they were craving and that's why people's mental health suffered so much during during COVID. you know human, human beings are, are social animals that's why solitary confinement is considered the ultimate punishment for somebody who's convicted of a crime yeah isolation has been a long-standing method of torture and prisoner war camps exactly imagine you were locked in a room for days on end you would start to feel you'd start to feel negative thoughts it would be horrible you're not getting that oxytocin yeah, yeah. and then um, make that weeks months years exactly yeah. uh, any other benefits from oxytocin petting animals <laughs> dogs animals yeah animals just sense when our energy is low and as, as you said they're dog dogs are a great example of this they just they know when we feel sad they, they, do. Know, they know as soon as we walk into the room, before we've even expressed it or even opened our mouths, they know. And what do they do? They want to stay close to us. They want to cuddle us. Oxytocin. Yeah. Oxytocin. You know, I've got good friends up in, in Milton of Lays and they've got this absolutely gorgeous black lab. And as soon as I walk into the house, if I'm not feeling right, she's straight over. She's right over to you. Right, she in, knows. right in my face, giving me dog cuddles. And who, who doesn't feel better from cuddling a dog? You, you always feel better. You always, always get better. a big feeling of like joy afterwards. And they, yeah, they just, they're just good for families. They're good for how many people, how many families go out and get a dog? Because it makes the kids happy. It makes them happy. You also get to walk the dog as well, which is, which is always a benefit. You get your steps in. Get your steps as well. Yeah. Uh, any other benefits? Helping others. 
showing empathy towards human beings and forming bonds. Now, in my opinion, that is the greatest service to humanity. I completely agree. I helping completely agree. other people. And the best thing about helping others is it makes us feel better too. I think if everyone was just to take a time out of their day to make somebody else feel joy and smile, they and themselves will be happier as well. How many times have you done something for somebody and you afterwards just get this amazing feeling of euphoria? Yeah. It's incredible. Um, it's, it's why you know you, you and I are, are naturally people who want to help others. It's, yeah. it's why we became PTs. You know, if a client comes back and they, they hit a PB or they, they smash their fitness test results, we're as happy as they are. Exactly. You know, uh, because we're helping another person. We're getting oxytocin from that. They are. They're getting the dopamine and the oxytocin, but we're getting it too. Makes our day better as well. Yeah. Um, no, that's a really good point. I think anyone listening to this, take that point on board. Um, do things for others, make other people smile, and you will feel better in yourself as well. Uh, anything else with oxytocin? Final one, physical touch. Physical touch. Now, that can be anything from massage, reflexology, any, anything where there's, there's contact. Um, here's a good example. We often try to think of the right thing to say when someone we care about is upset. But oftentimes, the best way to comfort them and to make them feel safe it's just to wrap your arms around them and just give them a big hug. Give them a big hug. You know, it really is. Actions speak louder than words. And it's why we crave that when we're in, you know, we're, we're in emotional torment. We, we're in we pain, just, we yeah. Just, we just want somebody to hold on to us. Um, levels of oxytocin also increase when we're intimate with another person. So things like kissing, cuddling, sexual intercourse, all release oxytocin, hence the name, the love drug. Yeah. And this is why anybody who does spend a day with family members you know you do get a hug off your loved ones you always feel happier afterwards um and what would be the negative effects of not getting enough oxytocin um well the first thing that comes to mind is on the subject of romantic relationships when we we tend to go through a breakup understandably we start to produce less oxytocin because there's less intimacy and and, and contact yeah it's why we crave that intimacy when we're when we're going through a breakup you know the Oftentimes, many of us go out and we hook up with someone else straight afterwards. <laughs> you know, I've, I've certainly done that. My younger self would, would do something stupid like that to try and make myself feel better. Yeah. Um, but again, I mean, I'm talking from experience when I say that that's a very short-term fix. You know, we often end up feeling worse afterwards or feeling more more empty because there's not, the there's not feelings behind that like there was with the, the partner that we've, we've broken up. So what I would generally say for this reason is if we're going through that heartache is to replace the lost oxytocin by doing things from the from the list that are that are not that you know like spending time with pets get a dog um socializing getting out and spending time with friends uh, yeah get a dog people often do that when they go through a breakup don't they they they, they they don't know they don't know scientifically what they're doing is they're actually replacing their oxytocin um and helping others is great as well when, when, when we are in emotional pain it almost takes us out of our own pain out of that kind of you know somebody who's gone through a lot of depression they like that sort of victim mentality we get we get stuck in is by going out and helping other people that just takes it off takes it off us i completely agree um so yeah oxytocin as we've said with dopamine is so important and um, we're going to move on to the next one here which is going to be serotonin now this one here i've become more familiar with this recently because i'm working outdoors but alan again like i said he's an expert with this one so with serotonin what are the benefits serotonin is the mood stabilizer or the, the leadership hormone and whereas dopamine is very much about the um, acts of sort of short-term satisfaction. Serotonin is the, the long-term satisfaction. The long-term one, yeah. Um, so examples, crossing the finishing line in a race. So 
that feeling you get when all your training pays off, months and months of training pays off, you run a 10K PB, or you add five kilograms onto your deadlift, or the the client we talked about earlier who wants to lose 20 kilograms, dopamine was very much about the, the increments along the way. Whereas when we achieve that total 20 kilogram weight loss, that, that feeling of, oh, I've been working towards this for months or years or whatever, that's serotonin. That's when it comes into play. That is serotonin. And good example, Olympics took place recently and many of the athletes taking part, they'd been preparing for the games for not four years because of COVID for five years. Five years. Five years life. in the making dedication for for the race or their or their event and when they cross the finishing line they break the world record or they, they stand up in the podium and, and hear the national anthem the brain is producing so much serotonin they often describe it as the greatest moment Definitely. of their life don't they well i want to bring up the moment when the two high jumpers both got the gold medal because i watched their reaction over and over they just fell to the ground and they were just they were they, they couldn't even believe it themselves but the happiness that you could feel from them was incredible and that was serotonin they've been working for that for years and it happened um, and it was such a lovely human story as well because they both had a claim to the gold despite jumping the exact same height yeah and then they just decided you know what let's let's just share let's just share this <laughs> share this serotonin let's share this feeling and the olympic committee basically said my understanding of it was they said well that's fine if you want to share it, but we're only giving out one gold medal. So they said, well, that's fine. We'll just, we'll just take it between us. Take it between us, take turns and <laughs> keeping it. What, what a lovely human story. Yeah. I loved it. And it was their last Olympics as well. So both of them were finished after this one. So they, they deserved it more than anybody there. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. So that, that's, a, that's one benefit of serotonin. Any other ones based around that chemical? Yeah. Okay. So the first one is your kind of long term things like crossing the line in a race and completing a qualification. So this could be anything you've worked towards over time from passing your driving test to getting a degree. Well, I, I want to bring up the, the driving test one because for me personally, that's probably the, the biggest release of serotonin I've ever had. Uh, you used to see me you know, come in and say, my license was terrible. I'm not doing this well. And I was the biggest critic of myself. We passed our driving tests not long apart. It was a few months. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah there wasn't long between it, was there? Um, and I just remember telling everybody was like the proudest moment of my life and just the feeling I got afterwards I you just can't replace that so that's why I always I mean that's probably a big indicator that's probably a big reason why now I always strive for that serotonin I always want to achieve goals because I'll never forget how good I felt felt in that moment um yeah so you were saying as well yeah I think I think good example there was when you said you would come in and um, when we were working at the at the club together after a a driving lesson you say I don't I didn't feel it went well I, 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 didn't feel it <laughs> I well. did that every time <laughs> okay so you were not getting the dopamine which is the short term because if you'd had a good driving lesson you would have come back you would have had your dopamine you'd have been feeling optimistic about the bigger goal yeah which is passing the test so that's why you went through a lot of self-doubt yeah but ultimately these little increments along the way they didn't matter because you achieved the goal in the end it didn't matter how you did it but you did it yeah serotonin and a lot of that was also my own my own mind i was just telling myself it was a bad lesson even if i'd done no 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 faults and nothing wrong i would still assume it was bad um any other benefits with the serotonin serotonin being in nature so you said that's something you're getting a lot more of by doing outdoor, outdoor oh, pt now 100 it's yeah. just it's almost healed my anxiety and the difference in my mindset compared to a year ago is incredible and i don't think it's a coincidence that now that i'm working outside 
I always feel calm and I feel less anxious. Um, so it's definitely had a big effect on my mental health in a positive way. 100%. I mean, people often say walking in nature is good for the soul, but I never fully understood this until I started researching the effects on the brain. I thought it was just a saying, yeah. but there's a lot more behind that. Um, and certainly during the pandemic, I personally have spent a lot of time walking in forests, being near water and visiting places where there's, there's lots of rich wildlife. And I have to say, I've really learned to appreciate the, the, the beauty that we have here in, yeah. in the Highlands. I mean, we're, we're incredibly lucky to have this on our doorstep. And that, incredible. For me personally, that's something that's really come out of the, the whole pandemic. It's just, okay, we're, we're a little bit limited in options of what we can do to fill our time. And then just realizing what realizing what we have on our doorstep, yeah, on our doorstep. You know, uh, any other final benefits on oxytocin? Um, yeah, final one is mindfulness and meditation. Now, as you know, meditation has over the last couple of years has really changed my life. It's almost saved you, yeah. It's been huge for you. Yeah, I I would go as far as to say it saved my life. Yeah, actually. Um, and we've known for centuries that, that meditation evokes a sense of calmness and inner peace. You know, the monks have been talking about it for, for hundreds and hundreds of years. But it's really only in, in, in sort of the last 10 to 15 years that we've fully understood its effects on, yeah. the, on the body and brain. And it's been proven to increase serotonin levels substantially. Um, and the thing that is serotonin is an excellent mood stabilizer, but it is also has a positive impact on sleep, digestion, and bone health. And I say digestion because we actually store serotonin in our stomach as well. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know yeah. that. That's incredible. Um, so yeah, basically serotonin is gonna be a huge contributor towards that mental health we've been talking about here. Um, and like I said, I've noticed it really improve my own mental health from being outside and being in nature more. Sure. We're gonna move on to one of the most important chemicals here because I feel like People need to hear about this one and actually understand when we say the word endorphins, what it means when we're doing exercise. So Alan, what is it you've learned about endorphins uh, from being a PT and what have you learned about it from doing your research? Endorphins are a natural painkiller. There's a class of drugs called opioids, which you, you may have heard of. Opioids work by basically blocking pain signals in the body and producing that, that euphoric feeling. So the most commonly known opioid is probably morphine, mm -hmm. which they tend to give people if they've had surgery or, or they're in, in chronic pain. Most commonly known illegal opioid is the drug heroin. Heroin. Heroin, yeah. Regardless of whether they're legal or illegal, opioids tend to be highly addictive, like really highly addictive. Now, endorphins work in a very similar way to opioids. So they they're produced naturally in the body and they, they block the, the, the pain receptors. The difference being they're obviously much safer and they're, they're far less addictive. Yes. <laughs> so we actually get a similar similar feeling to morphine when we work out. When we do an exercise session, yeah. Um, and the endorphin release triggered by exercise doesn't just act as a painkiller. It also has a low to moderate anti-anxiety and antidepressant effect, which is why exercise is considered a fantastic stress reliever no I, I completely agree and we we felt during our workouts we've left the gym every time feeling better and i'm sure everyone that's listening to this when you've done a run done a walk done a workout you will feel calm and you'll feel less stressed and you will feel less pain you've touched on this a little bit yourself alan but how do you usually feel with your pain after a workout oh i mean massive i mean and it's again i mean research has shown people who suffer from fibromyalgia 
have lower levels of endorphins than those without the condition. And the endorphin release triggered by strength training in particular can lessen the amount of pain sufferers endure on a daily basis. And this is just one reason why, as someone who suffered from fibromyalgia for over 20 years, it's why I spend so much time in the weights room. Yeah. It's a little bit because I'm vain in the one gun, but it has a huge, huge impact. And I have to say, it's really good to see the exercises now being prescribed to sufferers of fibromyalgia That's and, amazing. and similar conditions. And it's happening more and more. That 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 is it's just incredible. I think people People just assume that a workout is something you do just to, to look good, but it's about feeling good. So it's about feeling it's, it's better. It's a product, isn't it? Yeah. But there's, there's a lot more to it. And, and again, this, this research into endorphins, it's only really been carried out in the last 10 years. Really? It's, it's fairly recent. Yeah, I think it was 2008 when they were able to, to really kind of go into this a bit, a bit deeper. You know, when I started training again, the advice given to people with, with ME, fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue was very much rest as much as possible. Which is, which is oftentimes the, the advice with a lot of chronic pain conditions. And with some conditions, it is. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the time, it's very much the opposite. And I talked about this in the, the film Amy and Me that I did with, with Craig Noble back in, in 2017. You know, at that time, I was told to rest, like, years and years and years ago. Um, and I went against this. Yeah. Because I knew that exercise would help ease my pain on a day-to-day basis. Um, and it was very much a risk worth taking. But a lot of people wouldn't take that risk because they wouldn't know what you knew at that point. You knew the exercise was going to make that positive impact. So many people just listen to the doctors and they just end up sitting on the couch and they never go back to it. Um, so you took the right risk. You actually you did the right thing. It, it, it was a risk. And I have to say, I'm delighted that there's now evidence to support this because there's a lot of people in the position that I was in back then when they are suffering from these conditions and they desperately needed that guidance, you know, the, the ways to manage their, their wide spectrum of symptoms. And I, and I had to go on a gut feeling. But now, you know, a lot of doctors are actually saying, well, exercise would actually help you. So it's great that we now have this. We have it as we can back it up, we basically. Can back it up, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not a coincidence that we've seen this with clients as well. So many of them leave the sessions feeling better. And we even talked about it. A lot of the guests I've had on this podcast, so many of them mentioned that exercise leaves them feeling less pain. It leaves them more mobile. It leaves them happier every time. So what we're trying to say here is is exercise. We are. But I, think, <laughs> I think as well as I mean, I think you always want to consult your physician first. Yeah. We're, I mean, we are we are not medically trained. We're fitness trained. Yeah. You know. So if you can exercise, do it every single turn, every single chance you can get. Uh, any other benefits with endorphins? Yeah, a few more. Um, laughing laughing when you laugh you release endorphins into your bloodstream exactly watch a comedy watch a comedy spend time with a funny friend alan's good at the jokes he can give me a he can be a good laugh uh, Uh we should do a podcast where i just do (laughs) one-liners um but yeah i mean and this this is where as well as they're not necessarily the 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 four chemicals we've talked about they're not necessarily independent of one another so by sitting down and watching a funny movie you're sitting down relaxing, act of self-care, dopamine. If you watch a movie with your with your partner and you, you cuddle up, you're getting oxytocin. Get both. If it's a funny movie, you're laughing, you're getting your endorphins. Do you know what I mean? So they, 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 they tend to work with each other. So basically, get down, watch a movie, never feel guilty for that, enjoy that because you'll get that release of serotonin, you'll get the release of all the different chemicals in the brain. Um, anything else with, with endorphins? endorphins yeah we've got exercise laughing um again watching a movie listening to a piece of music yeah just anything that that ultimately will distract you from like i said it's the painkiller 
anything is going to take you away from emotional or physical pain. Make yourself a podcast in the car called Happy Podcast. Listen happy, to it happy and podcast. use it. Yeah. But um, they, like I said, they do tend to all work together. So to sum up, you can trigger all four chemicals at the same time. All you have to do is spend time in nature doing push-up hugging strangers. Exactly. <laughs> Let's go ahead and do it now, mate. Yeah. Um, walk, walk through a forest, do some squats, and every time somebody walks past, just give them a hug. That won't freak, <laughs> that won't freak them out at all. And during the walk, listen to Alan's um, jokes. He'll he'll make a little podcast of just jokes, oh, and you can listen to jokes. that. It'll make you laugh as well and make you smile. You can, you can um, but no, joke, jokes aside, the great thing about this stuff is um, these four chemicals have an antidepressant effect, and they're free. Exactly, they're, they're free, free. To, to use. They don't have to take up much time out of your day. Um, it, you know, it doesn't cost a penny to to trigger the, the four chemicals. And you can get them all in your day quite easily yes. if you do all these things we've been talking about here. Yeah. Now, what you should do in this podcast is actually listen to all the four chemicals and maybe list down which ones you're you're struggling to get as much. Um, use this podcast to learn something and actually take note of which ones you are lacking. Um, myself and Alan, we try and make sure we get all the chemicals every day. You know, we try and exercise, we try and spend time together. Right now, we're getting everything. We're, we're talking to each other, the social aspect. Yes. Um, yeah. It's fantastic. So hopefully everyone has learned a little something about the, the chemicals of the brain in this episode. And hopefully it's going to help you guys expand your knowledge on how to actually make your mental health uh, more positive, make it better. Uh, so Alan, hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you, Yes, I have. I've loved it. Um, I, I think you've been a fantastic guest on both the podcasts. And I think you are going to help people realize how incredible, incredible exercise is, incredible good nutrition is, incredible all these things are. And what you've learned over the past few years, you can use that to help other people. That's the plan. That's why I'm doing the mental health talks. Also, I hope you enjoyed the coffee. Um, coffee was the, that was the highlight. Yeah. yeah. So enjoy the episode, guys. And uh, yeah, hopefully you guys learned something. We'll see you on the next episode.